Good evening, Family Church, Waterlooville. Welcome to Sunday Night Local, the 2nd of May. Can you believe it? The 2nd of May. So it's so great to have you join us tonight on um, the first Sunday of May. And um, tonight we're going to continue in, um, this is a bit of a mini-series, um, and it's called Running Your Race. And I just want to pick up from Hebrews chapter 12. I would highly recommend get your Bible ready, get a notepad and pen because I've got quite a few scriptures. Just write them down and then during the week just go back and just refresh your mind and go and read the scriptures for yourself because they will just bless you and encourage you. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 12 um, says, let us run with endurance the race which is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Chris started sharing on this very subject about each of us has a race to run. And, um, and he looked at what fuels us and what focuses us. Remember, he spoke about the importance of motivation, not determination. We aren't like those apple trees that are just sort of standing their ground um, by sheer force of willpower producing apples by determination. No, an apple tree just relaxes and abides in the vine and produces fruit. And that's what we're going to do. What's motivating us as we run this race? And we see in um, Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.14, that it is Christ, it is the love of Christ that compels us to run this race. In fact, that scripture in the Passion Translation says it is Christ's love that fuels our passion. What a beautiful, beautiful um, translation of that scripture. And remember throughout Chris's um, teaching from two weeks ago, one of the key scriptures that I just took out was from John 14, 18, where Jesus said to the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans and then last week we just unpacked that what does it mean then if we're not orphans then who are we and we went to Romans chapter 8 verse 15 and I know you can quote it already by now but we're going to read it quickly and it says for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear the spirit of bondage means the condition of a slave we are no longer slaves. We are no longer orphans. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit, capital S, of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And by this we are children of God and the Bible and the scripture goes on and it says we are children of God and if we are children of God we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ come on so we are no longer orphans we are children of God and that children of God being children of God it's based on the finished work of Calvary and it's based on that love that lavish love of God, that reckless love that God has lavished on us. So, we're no longer orphans, we're no longer slaves. 
but we have received the spirit of adoption. And in John 1.12, we read this. It says, yet to all who did receive him, there's that word, we've received the spirit of adoption. We've received Jesus Christ into our lives. For those who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right, he gave the right to become children of God. And remember last week, we went through the number of the rights and the privileges and the benefits that we enjoy as children of God, as, as, which are ours in Christ. You know, and just thinking about, you know, as a child, when you're growing up, you enjoy the benefits of your parents' labors. You know, I don't think many of us, as we were growing up, had sleepless nights. You know, when we were two years old or five years old or 10 years old about whether the mortgage is going to be paid this month or has the road tax, has the car tax been done? Has it been sorted yet? And is there enough food in the house for, for us to eat tomorrow? You know, we never, we, we just sat back and we enjoyed those benefits, those privileges, those rights that we had as children. But as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put aside childish things. And all those references to child is the Greek word, nepios. The Sandy Hoskins version of that Greek word is nepios. It just helps me, okay? But it means an infant. It means you're in nappies, basically. It doesn't really, but that's my interpretation of it. It's easy to remember. But God doesn't want us to remain in nappies. It's great that we enjoy these rights. It's great that we enjoy all these privileges. But like the Apostle Paul said, when I became a man, when I, when I, start, when I, when I matured, then I put away childish things. And we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It doesn't say children of God. It says sons of God. And the Greek word there for sons is huios. Huios, mature sons or daughters of God. So we need to mature from being napios to huios, okay? This is a good Greek lesson. But so what is the difference between a child and an adult? As a child, we have rights. But as an adult, as we mature, we need to take responsibility. So with this in mind, listen to this in Ephesians chapter 4. Write this down. In fact, go to, go to Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bibles if you can. Verses 14 to 16. And this scripture encourages us. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro. In verse 15, it says, but may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself 
in love. Those are a lot of words. But what he's saying is that we should no longer be children, but may grow up in all things. It's time for us to grow up. Listen to the message on this, the message translation. It says, we all working within Christ's body, the church, until we all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Praise God. That's a beautiful picture. Moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Hey, if we're all in responding to God's Son, well, there will be an efficiency and a grace amongst us. And he says, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Oh, that's a beautiful translation. Brilliant. And he goes on, he says, no prolonged infancies among us, please. <laughs> That's it. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods. Small children who are easy prey for predators. No prolonged um, infancies. So we need to grow up. And so instead of just enjoying our rights, we need to to, to start exercising and taking responsibilities. So, as believers, as followers, disciples of Jesus, we need to take responsibility. And I'm going to look at three aspects today. Three points where we can take responsibility. And my first point is take responsibility for your own walk. Take responsibility for your own Christian walk. Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 to 13 it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation Work out. That means to do that from which something results. There's got to be fruit. There's got to be an outworking of our salvation. We cannot go through life saying, I'm saved and I've got a ticket to heaven. And that's that. It's my insurance policy. No, there's got to be an outworking. There's got to be fruit to our salvation on this planet while we're still walking on this earth. Interesting though, that scripture says, work out your own salvation, not work out somebody else's. Okay, there's no judgment. We are not the sheriff of the church and the Holy Spirit has not been made redundant. We do not need to do the work of the Holy Spirit for him. He's quite capable and able to do his job, okay? But we work out our own salvation. I walk my walk. You walk your walk. And um, there is a place of accountability and so forth. Yes, but I can't walk your walk for you. You've got to work out your own salvation. And it's important to remember that our salvation is complete. It's complete. We are completely saved. We are going to heaven. We are going to heaven. It's complete in that Jesus has done a complete work for us, but it can take time. 
It can take a season, it can take a long time sometimes for the, for the salvation to work in us and through us. So we must work out what God has worked in. It says there, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. To will and to do for his good pleasure. That's a working out of your salvation. You know what, when I first, the day I got saved, I changed my will. <laughs> I didn't go to the solicitor and say, okay, I want to change my actual will. But my will, my volition changed on the day I gave my heart to the Lord. God changed my want to. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. My want to changed. I no longer wanted to smoke 40 cigarettes a day. I didn't want to lie, cheat and steal and swear and whatever else I was doing at that time. When I got saved, I just wanted to please God. I just wanted to love Him and live my life for Him. I wanted to be a vessel. I wanted to be used by Him from day one. From day one, I would literally do anything. And 30 years later, I'm in the same place. I'll do anything. I'll, I, I'm not so proud. I've done it all. And I'll continue to. I just want to serve the Lord. And that's how I work out my salvation. In James, the book of James, chapter 2, it says that faith without works is dead. Now we know we're saved by, by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Our salvation is a free gift, but we have to apply faith in order to receive our salvation. But the Bible says that faith without works, without corresponding actions, is dead. And I don't know if you remember last year sometime on Sunday Night Local, we did a series on faith. And remember, we, we covered small faith, mustard seed faith, great faith. But I don't remember us doing dead faith. We didn't do one on dead faith. But what is dead faith? Faith without works is dead. Dead faith means there's no life in it. There's no life to it. There's no, there's no fruit. There's no evidence. But there needs to be fruit. There needs to be evidence, whether it's in word or deed. But it's got to be visible. Faith is always visible. Faith is always visible. And this is where working out our own salvation comes in. We need to take responsibility for our own walk. Our first point, we need to take responsibility for our own walk. Let me just say, if you've been saved for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's not up to your pastor to send you a weekly, day, a weekly devotional so that you can keep on track. It's time, it's time to work out your own salvation. It's time for you to get an action plan. Okay, I'll speak this in love, but it's the truth. We need to grow up in all things, to be fully mature, to go from napios to huios, to be fully alive inside and out. I'm going on to my next point. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. The Bible says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God knew you 
before you were formed in your mother's womb. He already knew you. He had a plan and a purpose for you. And that plan was and still is, this is it, this is God's plan for your life, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That is God's purpose and plan for you. He's not going to force you to change. He's not going to make you conform. He's not going to say, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, there, here's more law. That's not the way. Change comes from the inside. But it's our responsibility to conform to the image of Jesus. So my second point, our first point, was it's our responsibility to take responsibility for our own walk. Our second point is to take responsibility for conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. How do we do this? How do we conform to the image of Jesus? It's very simple. Spend time with him. Just spend time with him. Yield to him. Surrender to him. Worship him. Read the word. Pray, speak to him, communicate with him, listen for his voice. You know what? I think God is so practical. He is in my life. God nails me. It's on the little things. It's always on the little, it always seems to be on the little things. You know, my attitude or, um, you know, if I don't do things properly at, at a point, God will get on my case and I can, I can choose to ignore him. Or I can yield to him and I can say, no, Lord, forgive me. That was wrong. Help me to be more like you. God is an excellent God. He is an excellent God. And if I need to conform to the image of Jesus, I'm not trying to become more excellent. I just want to become like Jesus. Okay, we're not going to have a list of rules here. This is what you must do. I just want to be like Jesus. We've got to be a doer of the word. All of it. The easy bits. And the hard bits. You know, it's walk in love. Yeah, la, 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 la. Yes, of course, easy. Yeah, I love this one. I love that one. Uh, what about your enemies? Pray for your enemies. Do good for those who spitefully use you. Love your neighbor. Even when they make a noise on a Sunday afternoon and you're trying to have a little ziz. Love your neighbor. That's doing the word. That's doing the word. That's being a doer. But our objective as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus, is to be Christ-like. And it's not about external laws and rules. It comes from within. I love the way the message paraphrases this. It says, in Jesus, we see the original and intended shape of our lives. In Jesus... We see the original, how God originally planned, and the intended shape of our lives. It's like Jesus is his template. He's the master copy. That's a good one. He's a master copy. He's the blueprint. He's the blueprint. Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Imitate God as dear children. Then he goes on, and walk in love, <laughs> okay? Imitate God, walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself 
for us. In the message, it says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Watch what God does and then you do it. It's imitating him, isn't it? You know what? As a child, we, 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 we learn behaviors from our parents. And some of us, um, you know, didn't come from a loving, wonderful, caring, calm, Christian upbringing. Some of us uh, came from chaotic kind of backgrounds. And if that is the case, we don't want to imitate our parents. But once, here's the good news. Once you're born again, God is your father. Jesus is your savior. He's your big brother. Man, to have a big brother to look up to all the time and to imitate him, to copy him and desire to be like him. I want to reflect that original and intended shape that God has for me. But that's down to me. It's down to you. We are responsible for our own walk and our willingness to conform to the image of Jesus. That scripture that we opened with in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, looking unto Jesus. He's our focus. Let's learn his behavior. Let's get some learned behavior from him, keeping our eyes on him. There's this expression that says, what you behold is what you become. Whatever you're focusing on, that you will become. And in 2 Corinthians 3, this is a beautiful scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, But we all, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So much richness in that scripture. Number one, it says, but we all. You know what? It's our responsibility to conform to the image of Jesus, personally and corporately. And in this scripture, it says, but we all. So we can conform to the image of Jesus, we can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling privately, but corporately as well. We all, this works corporately, not just privately. And it says, but we all with unveiled, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. You know, if you go to a mirror, what will you see? You'll see your own reflection. But when you're beholding God, when you're looking into the face of Jesus, you're going to become like him. What you, what you behold, you become. What you behold, you become. And as we, so we, we, we behold him, and then do you know what happens? We reflect him. We reflect him. It says that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You can see when people have been hanging around Jesus. It's visible. It's always visible. I like to sort of liken this to the moon. You know, um, the moon in itself has no light 
of its own. But those nights when the sky is dark and there's this bright big super moon, what's happening is that the sun, the S-U-N, is reflecting onto the surface of the moon. The moon is reflecting the image of the sun. And that's what we do when we behold in as a mirror, when we behold as in a mirror what God is saying to us. When we open these pages and God starts speaking to us and we see Jesus on every page of this Bible, that's what we become. That's how we come. That's what we, that's what we start to reflect. So we, are, we need to take responsibility to be being transformed, to reflect God's glory, to reflect Jesus, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. No one can do it for you. Only you have to do it yourself. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. But why would you not want to? Why would you not want to spend time with him? We can spend time with him as children. Yes, we can come to him as a child. But we can also come to him as sons and daughters and enjoy that mature relationship with him. So each one of us needs to take personal responsibility. Each one of us has to do their part. Each one of us has a part to, to run in that race. And each one of us, I'm coming to my third point, has to take responsibility for taking our place in the body of Christ. It's our responsibility to take our place in the body of Christ. You remember, Jesus is the head. The church is the body of Christ. There's one body, many members. I'd highly recommend, go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. It repeats it. It says, indeed, there are many members, one body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, so you are the body of Christ and members individually. And in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, for by one spirit, capital S, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether Pentecostal or Baptist, whether black or white, whether purple or pink, whether South African or Russian, whether British or Kiwi, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body and have been all been made to drink into one spirit. So though we might have different backgrounds, we might have different ethnicities, we might have different cultures, we might have different skin colors, it doesn't matter. As the body of Christ, we can and will. You know what? There's one color in, in the body. There's one, there's one color. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only color there is. But in the body of Christ, with all these diverse cultures, colors, backgrounds, Christian upbringing or not, wherever you might come from, but we can and will experience unity instead of rivalry. We can and will experience unity instead of rivalry. Unity in the midst 
of diversity. Trust instead of suspicion. Stop being suspicious about everybody. Just because they act differently, just because they dress differently. We can trust one another. We're in the body of Christ. We've been baptized into one body. And we can and will experience obedience instead of self-assertion. It's not about lording it over people. It's not about being self-assertive. It's about obedience. It's about surrender. It's about loving one another. It's about loving God. That's what it's all about. Because how is all this possible? By walking in love. Walking in the Spirit. Don't give place to the devil. Don't give the devil that foothold. I shared on this recently. You know, you just open up that door just slightly. And then if a person wedges their foot in that door, you can't close the door. That's giving the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't walk in the flesh. Put this flesh under. Put it under. Let your flesh die. It stinks. Yours and mine. It stinks. Crucify that flesh. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pick that up some other time. But we, there's always room at the table for more in the body of Christ. But we need to find our place in the body. Each member has a part to play. Romans 12 verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We've got different functions. You know what? There's, whether you're a foot or an eye or a hand or whatever you are, you're needed. You are needed. And you know what? Sometimes we overlook and take things and take people for granted. But know this, that every single person in the body of Christ is needed. You know what? When I was 16, I had um, surgery done to both my feet at the same time. And my feet were broken. And um, I, they were put in plaster casts for six weeks. And at that time, I was still very much involved in horse riding and ballroom dancing. And I soon realized, oh, um, I can't actually go horse riding in plaster casts. And ballroom dancing, not at all <laughs> in plaster casts. But I soon realized how I'd taken my feet for granted. I thought, but my feet are my feet. You know what I'm saying? They're always there. No, we need to stop taking people for granted and start appreciating um, every single person because every, everybody has a different function. So whether you're the heart or the liver or the kidneys or the eyes or the whatever it is, you have a function to play in the body of Christ. And I liken this to like baking, an, baking a cake. You know what, if, if, if you're going to bake a cake, now I haven't baked a cake for a number of years because it's easy to just go and buy one nowadays. But, um, but I know from past history that there are certain ingredients that are required for baking a cake. So we need flour, sugar, milk, eggs, uh, butter. Okay, five ingredients, at least those five ingredients for a very basic cake. But you know what, if you were to take any of those ingredients, I don't think any of them on their own would be desirable to eat. You know, I personally never actually um, opened up a bag of flour and stuck a spoon in and started eating flour. I don't think it would appeal very much. I don't think that would go down too well. But if we take those five ingredients, we take the butter and the flour and the sugar and the milk and uh, whatever else, the eggs, 
and we combine them and we put them through the process <laughs> we put them through the process they come they can bake a perfect cake a perfect cake can come out at the end and it's the same with the members of the body each person has its own function but they work best when they are joined together it's nobody going off at a tangent and doing their own little independent thing it's about working together you know in the same way if there are if there's just say one ingredient missing from baking that cake say now there's no flour well mm, you know what you can mix up the eggs and the, the milk and the butter and I think all you're going to land up is a bit of a sticky mess and it's not going to be very tasty um, you know so it, it, it's not going to serve any purpose and so it is we need all the parts we need all the components each person taking taking their place in this race taking your place taking responsibility in the body of Christ I'm just going to reread Ephesians 4 16 it says that the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies i actually googled what is the purpose of a joint went to my friend Google and it says that a joint is defined as the juncture where two or more bones come together for the purpose of movement and stability or for stability so take your elbow for instance I don't know take this bone this part of the arm and your forearm the elbow joins those two parts together for movement and for stability so maybe in the body of Christ you're a kneecap or a hip bone or an ankle bone or one of those 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 joints but whatever you are when we come together in unity the purposes of God are movement our stability our growth encouragement love the presence of God this is all this is what church is about it's about all these things it's about the whole body joined and knit together every part doing its share causing growth so when you hear your pastor or a leader saying putting out an appeal for helpers to put out chairs or to helping kids church they're expressing a need and here's an announcement that need is your call you might be thinking I've been going through life asking God what's my calling what am I what's my calling what's my gifting what should I be doing God God says the need meet the need the need is your call you don't maybe you don't feel called to kids church it doesn't matter do it anyway <laughs> maybe you don't feel the need you don't feel um, you don't feel called to set up it doesn't matter 
just do it anyway. This is partly how you work out your salvation. This is when you start serving one another, when you start laying down your life for each other. This is about being Christ-like. Jesus was a servant leader. He, he, he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't stand back in ceremony and they all, you know, genuflected or whatever it was. You know, they, it's, it's not like that. Jesus was a leader. He was a servant. He came as a servant leader. And that's what we need to do. So if there's a need, meet it. If there's a call for help, offer, volunteer. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know what? In Luke chapter 10, well-known scripture, Jesus is saying, he says, the harvest is great, but the evangelists are few. Now, if you were listening, you would have picked up, ah, my Bible doesn't say that. Oh, sorry. The harvest is great, but the pastors are few. Nope, it doesn't say that either. It says the, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Just get busy. Just get busy. You know, be like Jesus who went about doing his father's business. He just went about doing his father's business. And if you're not sure what to do, do anything. Do anything, but don't do nothing. This is what taking responsibility is about. It's about taking ownership. Do something. Romans chapter 12 in the Passion Translation, verses 10 and 11. It says, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Outdo yourself in respect and honor of one another. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion towards Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Because ultimately, that's what it's about. It's about serving Him. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. So it's about serving the Lord and loving your family. Serving the Lord. What's it look like? Serving the Lord. Putting out chairs. Serving the Lord. Helping in kids church. Serving the Lord by making somebody a cup of tea. Loving your family. Be that welcoming smile. Loving your family is when God lays somebody on your heart during the week and you send them a text. Love your family. Serve somebody else's kids in kids church. Serve the Lord with gladness. Remember Romans 8, 15, I quoted this last week from the Passion. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Please don't do anything out of obligation or out of a sense of spiritual duty. We did not receive the spirit of bondage, of, of obligation to spiritual duty. We didn't. Don't do anything out of obligation. Because don't feel coerced into anything, but keep your heart right. Serve the Lord and love each other because he loves you. Serve him because he loves you. 
and you love him. So mature sons and daughters take responsibility. Maturity can be seen by taking ownership. So we call to go from napios to huios, from children to mature sons and daughters. We call to grow up into, uh, uh, from having rights to having responsibilities. And those responsibilities, just my three points, work out your own salvation, conform to the image of Jesus, take responsibility for conforming to the image of Jesus. And number three, taking our place in the body of Christ. And I'm just going to finish with this scripture from Ephesians chapter 4 from the message, which says, when we do this, then we will all be working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. Let's just close in prayer. Father, I pray, Lord God, for my brothers and my sisters who are watching this either live or on catch-up. But Father God, I pray that Holy Spirit, you will take the words that you would like them to, to embrace, to receive, to, to, to grab a hold of, Father God. And Lord, I pray that in the week ahead, in the, in the days ahead, that Lord God, that they will decide and choose to go from children of God to mature sons and daughters, that they will go from enjoying, enjoying their rights to taking responsibility, to taking ownership. And Father, I just want to pray your blessing upon each one, that Father, those that have, that have served diligently, that those that have, that have um, not grown weary in doing good, Father God, that they will reap in due season. And so Father, I pray your blessing upon every single one in the sound of my voice, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you again next week.